welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Knock On Podcast. We're... Coming at you from Hog Camp. This has been an awesome week. I've got some good buddies here. I've got right across from me, Ben Saturday. <laughs> Close. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. I like Saturday because that's the best time of the week. Yeah. So. You didn't love the weekend. You're always a good time. So. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> if I were you, I'd change it. Uh, <laughs> then I've got uh, my buddy Sloan Brown. We'll get into his name later. <laughs> yes, and uh, and my new buddy Mark Carter. So this has been an awesome week. If you've been following through social media, you'll see that I made an attempt to learn how to snowboard this week, and this is all part of I can say Yeti film, right? Yeah. Um, a cool Yeti film. Uh, just about crossover sports and I guess what was it six months ago Mark we met in Louisiana on a fly fly fishing trip that that Yeti did for some ambassadors just bringing in ambassadors from different backgrounds to fish or learn to fish I was one of the people that like learned to fly fish uh, with a lot of your fishing ambassadors and some cool captains that you guys rounded up. It was a really, really awesome event, by the way. Uh, but Mark and I kind of were both trying to avoid the major crowds at the event. And I was like, okay, here's a guy sitting by himself. I like that spot. So I'm like, hey, bro, can I sit down? And then we started talking. Uh, obviously, you're a super hardcore snowboarder, dude. I mean, I haven't got to witness. I've looked online, but I haven't been able to see it firsthand because I was holding you back all week. But um, <laughs> then you said you wanted to get into bow hunting, and I said, hey, I can teach you how to shoot a bow. And then I forgot how we even set. I think we were going to do this. We were actually going to the Traeger launch last week. We were both going, and we just had kind of said yeah. we're both going. And I said, well, you know, let's hook up, and you teach me how to snowboard. I would snowboarded one day with Andy and his brother-in-law and they pretty much taught me how to get on a board clip into the board <laughs> and they held my hands while I was learning to backslide down a mountain and actually once I backslid down a mountain to the lift because our we were in a tree topper house that we rented so I put my board on right outside the tree topper which was about a third of the way from the bottom of a slope and I backslid to the bottom of the slope and then Andy's like okay let's get on the chairlift and then we just went up and I like looked down I'm like I'm not ready for this he's like come on and he just bails off and then <laughs> of course, of course. that was the, yeah that was the crash course side slip yep side slip is side that slip. what it is yeah backslide backslide not yet yeah no. <laughs> Ben simmer down We'll, we'll get into we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that, and um, and then Sloan, you and I were just talking one day, and I kind of told you that we were. I asked if you were going to the Traeger event, and then 
I told you, hey, man, I'm I'm building a bow for Mark. Uh, I want to just get him shooting. And then we ended up deciding to, you're like, dude, that'd be really cool for Yeti to document, like, this crossover, two guys from kind of parallel sports coming together and, you know, someone that's, Mark's definitely a master of his craft, teaching someone that knows not much about it at all to do it and then obviously me teach mark so we went from snowbird and what was it three days ago we were on snowboard snowbird you teach me how to board to now we're in oklahoma and you learned to shoot a bow a day ago where was it it was a day and a half ago and then yesterday we went out hog hunting so i don't know yeah it's been uh, a bit of a you know quick learning kind of thrown to the wolves what do you what do you have to say about it all sloan no it's super cool when you told me about it i was like yes this is it so there was a a new york times article that came out two years ago about and the title of it was yeti uniting a nation over 300 dollars coolers and um it's kind of resonated within the office quite a bit we have this uh, this unique ability as a brand to cross over and we've got all these badass ambassadors doing their doing their thing and um we want to kind of tell those stories more about bringing people together. Um, and you guys are obviously both masters of your craft, like you said, Dudley. And so it, it happened, this happened super organically between the two of you. And we were like, we've got to document this. This is what it's all about. And we're going to start telling more of those stories. Um, and it's cool because that's something we've been talking about capturing for a while. Yeah. And this literally just happened like you two offline doing it. And we were like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. We're going to come send Ben down and record it. Ben, what other, are there other, I guess, ambassadors that you've had that you have seen the same sort of thing happen with or? Um, not to this extent. Um, I think it takes a little catalyst to get it going, um, but it's. I feel like there's a lot of um, crossover in these different pursuits, so it's cool to, to be able to capture that. It was a pretty cool crossover just learning the fishing thing. I got I got partnered with a, a really cool pro, uh, Rob Fordyce. Oh, yeah. He was a great guy. And I told him, I'm like, man, I, he could see how passionate I was about learning fly fishing because with fly fishing, I don't know if the learning curve is like snowboarding, but right away you suck. Yeah. Like you suck. And when you're with, when, when you're with someone like him on your boat and you're like trying to just not hook anyone's face in the boat as well as try to at least get your fly more than three feet away from the boat. And then he's just sitting there picking little ripples on the water and just freaking throwing laser beams as far as you think you could chuck something with a fishing pole and just nailing it it was pretty dang special it was pretty awesome you just got to get it closer to your my face yeah closer to your face i've never done this who did you get for a pro i had uh lacey kelly Mm -hmm. yeah so that was i mean like you know it's it's pretty awesome to uh be at such an event where there's so many you know unique people um outside of my world you know with the hunting and the fishing and the rodeo and and, and just what yeti has done and bringing everyone together and and just kind of you know creating that synergy and um allowing these kind of relationships to develop you know organically so that was yeah you know i fished a little bit <clears throat> i like to fly fish but i've never i've never saltwater fished and, and just the whole event was just it yeah, was awesome it was, it was awesome what i like about what i like about 
the two of us is you're very good at learning, but you also hang out with guys that are kind of really good role models to your industry because I Googled and YouTubed you and then also uh, Gooch. Yeah. Which is his nickname. You yeah. Know. Bri- Brian Gucci. I mean, he's like the, he's been in snowboarding since the beginning um, in the nineties. I mean, obviously not the very beginning, but since I've been influenced by it and he just has such a, a mutual respect within the industry and everybody that's around him and what he's given back. And <clears throat> he's like my best friend in the mountains who I choose to be with. And yeah, it's just, uh, but he's big on giving back to teaching because yes. a big issue in snowboarding from what I've learned from a very brief exploration is avalanches to you backcountry guys are serious, serious issues. And from what I saw, you and Gooch have lost some really close friends. So he looked really passionate about not just teaching like these up and comers how to be in the backcountry, but more importantly, how to really be educational on snow and learning snow and preventing themselves from getting in a hazardous situation. I just really kind of clung to that because I like people that essentially are given back to their sport. And from what I saw, he seemed like he was genuine with that. A hundred percent. He's so knowledgeable and experience he's had in the mountains and, you know, all these, uh, you know, friends that we've lost. I mean, that really hits home and, and, and his, I think as the backcountry grows more and more, it's, it's popular these days and not having the knowledge, uh, it's so easy to go out and get yourself in trouble. So, I mean, you could just like look at a big open bowl and you're like, that looks like an amazing run. And that's like a huge red flag depending on conditions. <clears throat> so, I mean, everything we do is like navigating and like studying snow conditions and what's happening because, you know, we want to push it to the edge, but it's like those calculated risks that we're dealing with and, and you know, everything that matters is like coming home at the end of the day safely with all your friends, no shot, like no matter what we're working with um, matters, you know, with our health and our, our life or something going, going wrong. Cause the mountains are serious, man. They'll squish you. So it's like, Oh man, paying the respect to them. I mean, just like hunting, you know, you navigate a certain way and um, you always got to, have the respect going into it and and the minute you start getting cocky man she humbles you oh yeah well i've i had two different friends in the last three months one of them's here preston is here um who fell from tree stands at less than seven feet one of them broke his back um and then preston actually ruptured his spleen and you know was in he was in critical condition he ended up you know ended up in a hospital um, seven hours from home and, you know, was in a serious way just from, from falling a very small di- uh, distance. And when I look at some of the stuff that you guys are doing or like even some of the landings that we looked over the top of, I was thinking, okay, if seven feet can blow a spleen out <laughs> or break <laughs> your back, <laughs> like this is, yeah. this could get serious quick. So it was... um. <clears throat> It was a really cool learning curve yeah. to, you know, to be able to embrace it. But also, once you watch you guys, you know, it's just like anything. If if you're really, really good at something, you almost make it look so easy that it could be just, it could be devastating for <laughs> someone that doesn't understand yeah. that, you know, it's a true art to make something look that easy. Well, yeah, I mean, you can get going so fast on a snowboard and I, I always take it for granted, you know, like you're ripping through the trees 
and you know, I have board control, but once in a while you kind of get off and you maybe just scrub one of those, those trees with your shoulder or something, man. And like, that's not moving <laughs> and that, it's hard. And you know, if you, you make a, a wrong turn, I mean, everything we do is like, it looks, you know, people are like, man, you're crazy. Like, what, what do you, what are you thinking? Well, everything's so calculated by the time we're actually going to do something serious that, I mean, there's always that like unexpected, you yeah. know, and you, and you have to prepare for that. But we've, we, I, I know that the landing is going to be deep. I, I, that, so I'm not going to land on any rocks. <clears throat> um, hopefully the conditions we've studied and, and, we're not going to put ourselves in any danger of like a wind slab avalanche or something, you know, I'm, there's a, there's a million things we're thinking about. So like, it looks crazy, but a lot of the times it's really calculated and, and thought out. And like, I'm not trying to tomahawk down the mountain. Yeah. Not saying I don't tomahawk down mountains, <laughs> but for the most part, that's what I'm trying to prevent. Yeah. But then there's like the confidence of like, you know, the visual visualization and, um, just kind of having the confidence that, you know, you're going to land or whatever trick you're going to throw into that pocket. Um, and that comes, the confidence comes from knowing that you're not going to land on a rock or tag something or hit a tree or so, I mean, it's thought out, but yeah, it can get kind of loose sometimes too, you know, I think of the same thing in regards to archery. There's times where, you know, I'll, well, a lot of it's like, if I go to a shoot where I know there's going to be certain targets, I put a lot of preparation into knowing the distance of the targets that I'm going to be shooting, knowing the type of conditions that are going to be there specifically what type of equipment that I'm taking or even sometimes if I'm going somewhere and I know that I'm going to have to do, you know, a hundred yard shooting demonstration. It's not like I just shoot 20 yards, at, you know, and then go show up there and, and just throw one down. Like, yeah. you know, you, even if you're really, really good at something, you have to polish that to where when you have to perform for, you know, kind of that video moment, so to speak, that you're ready for it because like you said with your visualization i really really practiced that whenever i would go to tournaments i spent a lot of time visualizing specifically like the type of people that i figured would be on my targets because many times we get peer grouped and i would sit there and think about okay let's let's say we're tied we got one arrow left here's who i've got to beat these four guys these three guys are going to be in my target and I had to go through those, sometimes those challenging moments mentally first, like almost manifest them in your mind and go through them to where when you get there, you have acclimatation to it. Otherwise, like you said, it's like your risk is going to outweigh, you know, the benefits of the performance. So I did the same thing at a, you know, probably, a, you know, less ha hazardous capacity to you. Um, but I think any athlete out there has to do that. And I think people listening, regardless of if you're going to, you know, bomb off some crazy mountain off a thousand foot cliff or whatever else you do, <laughs> or whether you're shooting your first like dart league at your local archery shop where you're shooting with some guys for the first time where all your scores are getting posted on the wall, you know, you have to prepare for that mentally and do some mental rehearsal otherwise when you get there it's easy to just spaz out you know and, and let it overwhelm you and and let the moment like yeah. take over everything that you've learned really to get you there well it's having the confidence you know like going into those situations i think that's what's most important for me is just 
having the confidence in the snowpack, having the confidence in like what I know I can ride, and then it all just kind of comes together, you know. How long have you been at Yeti? I think this is my like two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're probably about the same. Yeah. Actually, we are. Yeah, yeah. we would be about the same. Yeah. Um, I remember when one of the guys at Yeti said, hey, we should get you hooked up with Yeti. I remember saying, I'm way too late to that party. Because when Yeti came out, there was like such a craze, especially in the in the hunting industry. There was so many people that like had Yeti as like a sponsor or whatever that I almost felt like I'm way behind the gun on that and I almost feel awkward doing it. But I remember, um, and I don't even know if I told you this, you know, the first time I ha- like what made me interested in Yeti? I don't think so. Um, so I had my knock on Jeep. Have you seen the knock on Jeep that I've got? Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a green Jeep. That's, that's all kind of decked out. I got my seats made out of, uh, alligators that we shot in, in, uh, <laughs> in Florida and stuff. And, um, it, I went down to Winder, Georgia. Um, there's a dealer down there, a, a Ford and Jeep dealer named Akins, and then they have a customization shop called uh, Wild Willies. So I went down there to get this Jeep build, and I was going to video it for a YouTube thing. I wanted to kind of time-lapse the whole thing going together. And when I was down there, the dealership was, I'm going to guess, 200 yards from wild willies custom custom shop but i would go into the dealership and get some iced tea and i would walk across the parking this is like in july middle of july i'd walk across the parking lot set my cup down in the that freaking garage and then do a few little videos like when they're going to the next step and by the time i went back to my drink it's like freaking all my ice is melted and it was hot and i remember telling the guy at the dealership i'm like dude you cannot keep your iced tea cold around here and he's like yeah that's why we all got yetis and i remember i'm like what and he's like we all have yetis and he held up a held up a 30 ouncer and i'm like do they really work that good and he and he jingled it and he goes i've had this ice since this morning so i went over to the pro shop at aiken's ford and i bought a freaking 30 ouncer across the counter filled it up and then had ice the whole day and i was like so pumped and then i think about just out of chance um ben not you ben but another ben you know told me he's like hey we should try to you know get you some yeti stuff and i'm like i love yeti (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I love it, dude. I bought one. I said it changed everything. And then, uh, crazy enough, I met Chad Ward, like, not too long after that. And Chad came and cooked some pigs that I had shot in Florida. And he used Yetis to stage all of his all of his briskets and all of his ribs and stuff. He would rest them in there while other things were finishing off. And you know once again i asked him i'm like you know well one i said why do you put stuff in there so then he told me he's like you know if you go to a barbecue event you see these big foam things with shelves on them everyone's like staging stuff up because you want to let the meat you almost need to let it i shouldn't say cool off but you you know you rest it to where whatever the internal temperature is 
balances itself back out to the you know to where the meat is consistent from the outside all the way to the inside and it as it does that the juices redistribute from the center which is the moistest back out to the outside where the most of the heat was being applied and so once again i was like okay crap yeah i've got a i've got to do something so the first yeti cooler i bought was a 45 I got it at Shields, and I, I had a 30-ounce Rambler and that Tundra 45, and I was, you know, keeping cold drinks. I learned the hard way about putting my coffee in there. Is there some, like, coffee gets hotter. Have you ever noticed that? Like, when you put coffee in and put a lid on it, and then you, like, go to drink it, it's almost like it accelerates. I don't know what it is. I cuss Yeti it's every like day on my way to work. Mandatory <laughs> lid off for five minutes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, the colder the doesn't off. get colder, but the hotter definitely gets hotter. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's cool. It's cool with the brand, it, how many different ways it can show up and how many different types of ambassadors we bring in together, and people use them in different ways, and it's always creative and cool, and it, it's it's badass. Now, how long have you been bow hunting? Um, You've got see. some cool... You had a cool video on Hoyt. Yeah. Hoyt showed yeah, your that, mule deer hunt. That yeah. was sweet. Uh, I've been doing it probably 15 years now. And yeah. then what? you were at Maven a little bit? I was doing public relations at Backbone Media for Okay, a while, So that's how I kind of got all my industry connections. I was doing PR for Sitka, Maven, Mountain Ops, Thermocell. Um, yeah, a bunch of hunting brands, so I... Got a bunch of connections that way and did that for mm, a year and a half or so. And then this position opened up at Yeti. Um, used all my connections to kind of get to the front of the line, and it worked out. And it's been a fun ride. I've been with Yeti for 10 months now. What? Um, so did you just bow hunt before that? I know your family's got a place in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up bow hunting and, you know, shotgun hunting for birds and stuff like that. But pretty much I've been bow only for the last 12, 15 years. Did you always want to be in the hunting industry Mm -mm. no i had no idea i was a fly fishing guy before i worked at backbone Um, oh you were yeah yeah um because so many people that are listening i don't know how many times i get hit up with like i really i really want to get into the industry what do i do and for me it happens so organically like i didn't all i wanted to do was compete with a bow that's all i wanted to do and i was doing my best to represent my sponsors i wanted to help out so when i was at at events i would always try to help them in their booths and then all of a sudden someone just offered you know matthew just offered me this job and i was struggling trying to open up a archery shop and just go to archery tournaments and you know that's what i was passionate about and all of a sudden i get this job pretty much based on I guess just based on work ethic, if I'm honest, and it happened really organically. So that's kind of been a tough one for me to answer to people because all I can tell them is do what you're passionate about. Don't burn bridges, stay loyal and show hard work ethic. And those opportunities seem to just like come available. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing with me. Like I just love the outdoors always. And took this fly fishing job and learned a lot of customer service skills. And I think when you look at guides, like that's the most important thing. Like you got to be able to put people on fish or put people on animals or be able to guide people in the backcountry. But the most, like the best guides are the ones that have really good personal skills and have good customer service skills. And that crosses over to any industry and anything that you do. Yeah. You're so right. I don't know how many times I've gone on a hunt where the 
there's like one guide that just stands out as, you know, other hunters are going, you know, man, I wish I had so-and-so dude, you guys look like you're having a good time all the time. And, you know, he's fun to have around camp. And then I don't know how many times I've left camps with people that like have businesses or, you know, people that are starting a business and they're like, man, I want to hire that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, guys like that make, make companies grow because they bring like a positive force into the environment. And, you know, if you're out there, well, you probably don't know if you're a Debbie Downer, but if you are, yeah, you can't. You <laughs> you're can't, probably not going to break through. You can't control the conditions or the hunting or the fishing, or you, you can't control any of that. But you can control your attitude and how you treat people. And at the end of the day, if you walk away empty-handed, but you still had a good time and showed them a good time, like it's, it's a win, you know. So did you? You were fly fishing, and then did the your kind of your yeah, other had, yeah the backbone position posted the position on facebook and i had like four different people tag me and like hey you should go for this and i didn't even know what it was i didn't know what public relations was but <laughs> four people completely unrelated tag me and i was like okay i should probably check this out and i applied for it and got it and learned it quickly and got a you know a rolodex of connections and used those for the yeti position and yeah but i think yeti hires really on passion like if you're passionate about the outdoors and things like that and you're a good cultural fit and you have good customer service skills and good personal skills then you know you're a candidate for the outdoors what uh what did you learn about the company that even though you knew you wanted to go for yeti and you thought you knew about yeti is there something that you saw behind the scenes where it made you appreciate it more than when you really didn't have visibility to it and i say that because and you could vouch for me but i'm I'm very, very specific on people I choose to work with. And a lot of times, um, well, I heard a, I heard a podcast that Andy Stumpf did with Evan Hafer from Black Rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, Andy's cleared hot podcast. It's a very, very good podcast because he talks, he kind of pries into Evan because Evan doesn't talk about Black Rifle, you know, that much. He's, he's, he's actually super conservative and I, I love that about him. But one of the things that, Andy did get him to open up about is what do you do different? And one of the things is he said, I'd be, you know, quick to fire and slow to hire. And I honestly value that because that's how I feel in regards to people that I work with in our industry. I've seen so many come and go and I've seen so many things behind the scenes from, you know, those 10 years that I was working with, with Matthews. And then obviously, you know, I've been 15 years out of my own, um, so I've seen other things, but there's certainly times where you go somewhere, um, and you see things that the average public that's buying a product on the shelf doesn't see. And you just realize like, I want to be a part of this, this thing, regardless of whether it stays small or whether it just explodes into something massive. I just really like the culture there. And if I have to go there to do an event, there's always super high energy and the people consistently are just awesome to be around. And even if I never see them again, I'll be like, yeah, I met that guy. God, he was a good person. And, and Yeti is one of those places, you know, I've been there three or four times now. And I just feel like even if a different product came along, that was, that was better if I had a better offer. I, f I just feel like I have a connection with 
the environment. And mm-hmm. for me, I mean, I think that that has to happen for you to be genuine about what it is you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the one thing that I've come to learn quickly is like everybody I work with, I moved to Austin, didn't know many people there. I had a few friends, but like the people I work with are now like my closest friends, probably. Like it's just a really good culture of people who really care about the outdoors and what we're doing as a brand. Um, and it's fun. Like those are the guys I call when I get off work. You know what else is really good about that too is, uh, yeah, Ben, I'm going to get to you in a second, Ben. Mm-hmm. You know what else is cool about that is I've seen other kind of corporate monsters, so to speak, that have that same type of thing. The people that are there love what they're doing. They're passionate about what they're doing. They like potentially have the ability to just do amazing things, but they they aren't given the leash by the powers that be to like truly do what they're good at. Mm -hmm. And in those situations, it's almost like just this wasted talent. It's like having this guy on your team where he never goes to practice. He just like shows up on game day. He performs just enough for the team to win, but you're still thinking like this dude's running 70% doesn't really give a crap his dad's making him come here he, you can tell he doesn't really want to play like you know in those situations you know it's it's kind of a bummer i've had places where the company just has the potential to be so freaking awesome and the people right there are like having all these great ideas and you know they're passionate and they're trying to push forward and then they're just like suppressed and i don't feel like i don't feel like yeti's like that i mean every every one of you guys I've met when something cool comes up, you guys are kind of able to run with it. Yeah. And that's a cool part of it is like the guys that we work with Mark and Dudley, like you guys did this on your own. We just came along for the ride to capture it. Um, yeah, it's cool. We do. They give us, they give us quite a bit of leeway to do cool things. And they also hire people that like really know their core pursuits and know what's relevant too. So that we can say yes and do those things and then hop in and do them with you guys, you know? Yeah. Ben. Howdy. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> I j- this, is, this is my first time to be able to share, like, some – well, I got to share some powder with you. Mm-hmm. Got to share some hunting camp now with you. And you make me laugh probably every 30 minutes. <laughs> you are hilarious. Uh, now I'm on the spot. So. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're funny. Stage right. Do not, do not f this up, man. Um, what's your background? I mean, obviously, I've, you know, from what I know about you running a camera, you are able to totally face plant in powder with skis and no poles, <laughs> holding a freaking massive camera that's, that's and keep the, the camera out of the snow. Like I've watched that. But, uh, you gotta sacrifice your body for the content, <laughs> I think. Yeah, <laughs> it was glorious. That was my first time ever skiing in powder. <laughs> really? <laughs> they just kind of sent me out. I was so worried about that. I mean, we took a damn helicopter to the top of a mountain <laughs> and skied down. Yeah, that was the first for me. That was your first time. Tell uh, everyone. I mean, like off resort. Well, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Tell everyone That's where you're from, because this is what makes it even better. I'm from the deep south, New Orleans. <laughs> Louisiana, <laughs> Nola. Not a lot of snow <laughs> down there. 
Uh, it snowed a few times in my childhood, but yeah, not not too much. So have you always uh, really liked just capturing content and videography and photography, or? Um, yeah, I think it it stemmed from just doing stuff outside all the time. Um, I felt like I wanted to capture that and share it with people. Um, and I'm still pretty young, so I'm fresh out of college. I've been out of college for three years and started shooting in college a lot and freelance for two years and then started with Yeti like a year ago. So but you're also the small game specialist too at Yeti. Yeah, yeah, and I manage our, our conservation efforts and wildlife management efforts for a small game. And rodents. Rodents. Dur- Rodent, well, yeah, it's, that's encompassed in small game. So... <laughs> The big five are gerbils, hamsters, uh, field mice, uh, possums, and marmots. Okay. I think so. that was six, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a flexible five. So, you, obviously, you're a master at your craft of catching these small game. Because if it, you're a specialist. There's just such a cool story you know, behind small game. And, it's uh, it's not told a lot, so I've kind of taken it upon myself just to tell it to the masses. <laughs> nice. Like the roll of electrical tape in your pocket? Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> you have many creative ways to catch any type of small game category. Yeah, the most effective is small game calls. <laughs> so it's... Do you have any? Yeah. Let's just say... Let's, let, me just back, could, let me just back up here. Is a skunk considered small game? Yeah, but they're hard to catch. <laughs> okay, because we have one under, under this deck right now. But, I mean, without, we've got the doors closed without putting us in jeopardy safety wise. Can you just throw out one little skunk call for us to to just recognize what, the, what we're doing? Actually, with? the human ear can't pick it up. So <laughs> I, could, I could do it, but he's doing it right now, and it. we don't even know. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is. Yep. Gosh, there he is. Old poopery out there. Freaking just, just came up. So, how did you learn this craft? Was it out of necessity to eat? Uh, no, it's just, uh, like I said, it's, it's an untold story and is this small where the game doc- constitutes, uh, 78% of wild game out there. So it's the majority. Was this the first story you tried to tell with the camera? About what? <laughs> About the untold story. Yeah. I mean, we haven't touched on it too heavily this shoot, but we still have a day left. Okay. It's coming soon too. Yeah. That film release is what, 2020? Yeah, 2020. I'm like, but And it's that. more about the habitat than the pursuit, right? Like, you're you're capturing these animals and giving them better habitat and better homes. Yeah, we uh, recently saved 2.7 acres <laughs> in South Dakota, and it's it will never be developed, ever. And we were able to uh, convert that into a small-game wildlife management area. <laughs> it's beautiful oh man i wish i had video at this moment to just see how stone cold your face is it's excellent (laughs) let's just say there was a small game that the human ear could i mean is there a small game the human ear could i've heard mice so i know i've heard them i've heard gerbils prairie dogs okay let's just say at this moment someone out there listener out there 
had a serious passion. His heart is tugging right now, and he's like, you know what? I didn't know where I was going in life, but ever since hearing Ben a minute ago, I realized my pa- my true passion is cr- at least doubling that 2.5 acres and getting up to five, and I think I'm the guy that can do this. But he needs to be able to rally some mice. Mice? Yeah, mice. So what? how would he do that? Let's just throw it out there. You want There's the a few in the house, yeah, and I'm not I'm not worried if they come in here, so can you just, just give us one shot? <laughs> Mama! <laughs> no, mice, not milfs. Oh. oh, mice. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a high pitch, like... <laughs> no, that sounds like an axis barking. Samson has a great axis barking. Oh, we had a text going around for probably four months where also need randomly get a group text from that group in Lanai. And it would just be someone at a very random location doing the axis bark. <laughs> and it it got pretty funny. Yeah, it was it was there's a lot of people getting involved with that. Well, is uh what do you think about you know, from being serious now? From an artistic point of view, you know, I know we've got you and another photographer here, uh, Wes Mantooth. And <laughs> what, from the experience that you guys had, because we haven't even really jumped into Mark's first hunt, which I do want to get into, um, or his first time shooting a bow, what, what did you think about this whole thing? I mean, obviously, sometimes projects get put in front of you where, you just kind of do them and also, and they're kind of, if you've done this stuff long enough, some of the stuff's run in the mill. It'd be like, obviously Mark, if North face called you and said, Hey, we're going to do, you know, a board preview. We're going to, you know, head up and blah, blah, blah. But every now and then something comes along where it's, it's like genuinely funner to do because it, it almost happens better than what you, than like what your thoughts are. Do you think that happened on this event or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to see y'all two who are each kind of masters of your craft and have dedicated a big chunk of your life to that. And it's cool to see you guys have um, a an understanding of the other person's pursuit and uh, kind of share that passion with them. Um, and you guys obviously both want to be here so it makes it kind of an exciting story to go. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite moment on the snow and your favorite moment in the timber uh favorite moment i mean the heli skiing was tough but it was the raddest thing ever um so that was probably my favorite experience of snowbird and tracking that tracking that pig was sweet you like that yeah i mean just we was that your first hunt that was was my first successful hunt oh really (laughs) yeah oh dude even though it wasn't even my success i didn't know that it was we were all successful yeah that was all that was awesome well we'll dive into this later i'm assuming but it was a pretty unique situation how it all went down (laughs) yeah it was super i mean some would say it's lucky. Some would say, yeah, right. I mean, honestly, I think if most people told me that story, I'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's strange. But let's backtrack. Mark, 
what like what were you expecting learning archery and then and then from i guess just i guess everything that i put you through like i don't know talk through it i mean yeah i was i've never shot a compound bow you know um i was really nervous to pick that bow when you sent me a photo of the bow you built i was really excited i was like oh that thing's so sick but I was like, I now, now I got to shoot it. <laughs> and I was like very, you know, it's super intimidating. And then you're telling me about, you know, your, your silverback release, uh, like the, the surprise release. I'm like, what the, you know, I'm thinking triggers and stuff. Yeah. You're like, I, I grew up, you know, I trigger. grew up on a ranch. So I'm familiar with, you know, hunting, but never touched on a compound bow. And so, yeah, I think I had a lot of anticipation. Like I was most nervous, not for the hunt, but like for actually like picking that bow up and like flinging some arrows like out of the gate you know but you made it so it it was just interesting how um kind of like the stance and everything lined up to like and i guess it just comes with you know um the snowboarding like my stance how you're like okay if you're gonna shoot a bow this is your stance this is how you stand i was like oh and i just stood i just stood like i would on my snowboard and i was like this feels good you know, this is like, this is my direction. You're like, oh, cool. And it happened to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And you, I had. Your width, your front, yeah. your front foot presentation and, or orientation yeah. was like. And I, I could see right then you, it, you were nervous at first till I said, you know how you stand on your snowboard? That's perfect. And yeah. I told you why. And I could see you just had this relief of like, oh, okay. Immediately you felt like you were in the saddle of something that you had comfort with. Yeah. I, I would do the probably most challenging things in my life on in that position yeah so i was like oh okay i got this and then you just made it so easy with um your explanation and and just everything you taught me and i just had no bad habits i didn't know anything so you're just like like this like this and it just you know flung about 10 arrows and i was like i feel okay well you shot a string first we put yeah first we put you on a knock on uh right release release trainer yeah and you know, got your drawing set, yeah. talked to you about posture, um, alignment, and then gave you your silverback, told you how to hold it, <laughs> um, told you how you wanted, like what your anchor should feel like and placement of your release on your face. And then kind of just said, okay, here, start working with this string. Yeah. And we, well, we did that for probably 30 minutes, you mm-hmm. know? So I got that, like that feel of, release and everything and and um so i wouldn't say that i felt confident picking up the bow i was watching you you know sight in the bow and i was like okay it's gonna happen (laughs) but you know i'm used to that you know it's like the anticipation of of heavy things are always way worse than they actually are yeah you know anticipating anything like i'll lay up at night like if we're gonna go out and we're in alaska we're gonna heli you know you're like but when you're actually like standing on top of a line you're, you're scared you're like oh what have i got myself into but once you drop in and are actually doing it there's no fear you know it's just totally blank you're engaged and i was kind of um that was with like shooting you know once i picked it up and was there i was there was no more no more nerves and it was just in the moment and breathing through it and listening to everything you were telling me really really helped i think one of the things that uh that I said to you, if I, maybe I made this up, manifested this, but I'm pretty sure I told you, um, I could tell you were a little bit, well, you, I think you said like, I'm a little bit inti- in, um, intimidated to, to like 
do this for the first time and by then you had worked on that string for a few times and you shot maybe three arrows on the string and i remember look looking at sloan and i'm like dude that's it like you got it that's it yeah and you kind of looked at me like this is a string and a wooden handle this is you know crazy and then when i gave you the bow i could tell you were intimidated by it and i said hey man just like on the board you know if you do the fundamentals right then you can you can navigate that stuff. So like you said, you were intimidated about like when you're standing up there and you're looking down, which I'm not in that position at all yet with the snowboard, but yeah, you know, all, yeah. <laughs> but in the end, you know, regardless of like the distance that you're shooting or how small the object is or how big it is, the reality is you still have to do those same exact basic things. It's not like, it's not like learning to turn has come to a whole new level. It's like all you really need is confidence in turning the same, even though the situation might be more advanced, but the yeah. turn is still the same. You know, yeah. the shot execution is still the same, even though now you're pulling back the bow, you know? And, and I think once you, you made a few shots and I could tell right away, you're like, Okay, yeah, it's, I mean, if I just do this, because you look surprised how many times you, your first arrow was a bullseye, wasn't it? Because I sighted your yeah. bow in for you. Yeah. Um, your first arrow was in the dot. You're, I mean, I don't know, you probably shot, I think you probably shot 11 out of 12. There was one arrow where you even said you're like, well, I think what happened was you were you didn't understand preload, so yeah. you were pulling too hard, and but you didn't have your pin on the target yet. Yeah, and you started to let off the safety before you aimed, yeah, and, and it so just you, fired. Yeah, you yeah. airballed one, um, which is a good lesson, obviously. Um, you know, it'd be a lot like me wiping out for a mistake. It's like, okay, yeah, I know, what, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do that again. Um, but yeah, immediately, I would say. 95% of your arrows were within, you know, that, I mean, they were within probably the dot was, you know, that big, but the, I would say where he shot his arrows was within four to six inches every single time. And you had never pulled a bow before you had never pulled a compound bow before that. Yeah. No, no. And so then <laughs> you're fairly surprised when I said, we're going hunting in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was uh, it was uh, pretty fast. Everything was happening fast. Ben, what was your what did you think about that morning? What part? Well, how did you feel? Just how much? How many miles did you say we covered? You, your phone said I forgot what your. It was about ten. Ten miles yeah. total yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we probably done half that five or six, um, never saw a hog, never saw a sign until we were coming back out. And I remember I looked and I thought, I said, that's a big boar. I remember seeing a boar track like in the mud. And then, then I started seeing dog tracks and I thought they were coyote tracks. I just saw random dog tracks, but I did see one that was noticeably bigger. And then I think you said, it looks like that hog is running. 
like the tracks on the mo- road because it, it's been raining here so that where we're walking we're trying to stay on these ranch roads so you can see if something's walked over your tracks and it definitely looked like that ho- that big hog track was like in route somewhere um, and we kind and I kind of just thought well it's late in the morning and we missed him or maybe he heard us or smelled us and he's running so we got back to the side by side and we're I don't, were we gonna well we were getting ready to well, do the we whole were, other we, we were, were walking get, and I was like was that a turkey yeah I, do I was you like I thought that. I heard a turkey gobble and they were like wait then we heard yeah and then I must said no it's yeah that's a bunch of dogs yeah. And then we kept, we probably walked a quarter mile, got back to the side by side, and then we were pretty much getting ready to start up to go to another area where we were going to do kind of our second half of the morning. And I could hear those dogs like getting louder and louder and louder. And then for whatever reason, I thought, you know, they've got, they've got something, you know, there's some wild dogs they got something because there's there is a lot of wild dogs around this part of oklahoma we they mess up deer hunts regularly around here um so i was kind of curious and we ended up driving what do you think we drove quarter half mile loop around and uh heard this barking that would not stop down into the down in this little kind of creek bed i don't know or gully i guess and uh we kind of just slithered in there and I, I could hear the dogs had something cause they were just going crazy. And there was six or seven different dog. Like there was everything from a teeny dog to this big, like <laughs> Pyrenees looking thing. And they're just barking, barking, barking. And I remember just kind of easing up to this edge. How far below us would you say it was 15 or 20 feet? I'd yeah. say 20. Yeah. And all of a sudden I look over and I just see these, silvery tips of this like hogs bristled up back hair and i remember just backing up like i kind of thought maybe they have a hog bait or maybe they have like a coyote pup or because i could hear one like little yippy thing and i guess it was that teeny little dog that was in there <laughs> there was like a chihuahua in there or what there was dude there, it looked like something like a disney film like a hundred like i don't know a dog's life or whatever there was so many different breeds they were up to no good yeah they were just they were just yeah you said they're so bad yeah you made a perfect reference you're like that's just a bunch of troublemaking teenagers that are out what you, would you say they were up to just throwing bricks through windows, and <laughs> smoking doobies, light putting firecrackers in yeah. frogs' mouths, yeah, yeah whatever. Just bullies, <laughs> total bullies, and they had this massive boar bait up like in this creek, and he was just sitting there, just like staring at these punks, just popping his teeth. And I remember, like, holy crap, this sucker's big. And I don't know, take it away from there, Mark. What happened? Yeah, you know, um, oh, there was a lot going on at the moment, and uh, yeah, we, you know, you got me up in a position. You kind of, we kind of got a lane, and there was about, I don't know, how big was that hole? There was like, you know, it's way there was, there was what you're showing. There right was now. a lot. There was a lot of uh, a lot of trees and limbs, and he was down there, you know, kind of quartered away from him. We definitely had the high the high ground, and those dogs were kind of after him, and he was standing there, and you kind of got me into the position and. There was a little, the little shooting lane, little hole, and I just asked you. I was like, I guess, I, I guess this is it. Should I, should I draw back? And 
And um, you're like, yeah, yeah. So I pulled back and I was like looking at my pins and you were the whole time you were like, oh, you, you, no. anch- you, an- you drew back and you anchored and I could <laughs> see you were looking at your pins but like off to the side of like, the, str- the string and i seen the safety like kind of getting ready to be let off and i was just like beep line it up i'm like beep sight yeah. rear sight rear sight rear sight front sight and then all of a sudden you're like oh and you moved your head like six inches <laughs> to look through the like you would have just airballed that thing for but, sure well and i remember but that's you- that's such a dude i was um i haven't i haven't even talked about this probably on a podcast i took my dad hog hunting years ago and he got so worked up that we stalked within 10 yards of this hog four different times over the course of like two hours and he would make a shot and because he missed so much the hog would just like kind of look around and then just kind of slither through the thick stuff he didn't like really know we were there because he wasn't even close and he would pull back and just like get the string back and then I don't know if he was like just looking at the tip of his arrow or just looking at the hog, but he had no anchor. Like a couple times he was just off to the side and just hitting the trigger. It was like everything he had learned just went completely out the window. And he was just like in his mind, pull back and let the string go. Like that's all he was thinking about. And so I think you were in that moment. Oh, yeah. If there were five things for you to do, you did two, and you had to be reminded of the other ones. Yeah, there's so sure. much going on. There's so much going on, man. I, I mean, I shot like ten arrows ever, and so you know it was happening, and there was that there was that tunnel vision down. I had to get right through there, and you know once, but once you told me, you're like beep. It, I lined it up, and I was like, okay, and then. And kind of another thought I'd had was you were telling me how thick the the shield plates or the shields yeah. are on those on those big bores, and so I was kind of thinking that. And while shooting downhill, I didn't really think about that too much, but then I just let it go, and it just it felt really good. And then it just I just saw that thing stick and drive in. <laughs> that hog was gone. And the dog scattered. <laughs> yeah. The hog, like, ran probably 10 or 15 feet. Well, 10 or 15 yards, I would guess. And then he kind of – I don't know if he just didn't care where he kind of fell into, but he fell into a hole, and then I could just hear air bubbles, like, <laughs> blowing up the water. He just – yeah, he he kind of double – double had double death, I guess. He died of – double lung rage through the cage yeah. and then he also drowned himself on top of it but dude when we started pulling that thing out i knew how big he was when i saw him because it's pretty rare that you see the ones that have that massive mohawk and i could see his his cutters hanging out of his lips and i'm like oh man this thing's like wasn't he chomping his teeth oh was, yeah yeah you could, could you hear him popping his teeth I couldn't hear anything yeah. with the dog. Cool. I could see him like grinding his teeth side <laughs> to side and I could see him popping his teeth at the, and I've never hunted, I've never hunted hogs with dogs before. So I didn't even know what it was like, but I've seen enough, you know, videos to know, like I, I, I automatically thought those hog, those dogs have something bait up and we were in 
prime hog habitat. So I'm like, and then I think as we were going in, I said, um, I go, I, I, I know the neighbors were trapping hogs like a week ago. I said, so I wonder if, I wonder if like their dogs got out of like, I don't know, out of their range or whatever, but they, none of them were collared. They were just, I mean, like, like you said, Ben, they were freaking punks just chucking bricks through windows. (laughs) Renegades. Just renegades out. Up to no good. They helped us out. Sounds like a great life. Yeah. They're happy dogs. They do what they want. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, once that shot happened and we went up there, obviously, you know, there's a good blood trail, 15 yards to them. There was blood right on impact, really. Well, it was like three feet away from impact. There was already blood. And I don't know. What what was your, I guess, what did you feel? I mean, I felt grateful, you know, to to uh, just kind of come into this so new and, and be given such an amazing opportunity you know to be be here with you being guided by like the best you know it, it, not the, the best but just guided <laughs> <laughs> you're a master of your craft you know i mean to to just i'm super grateful for everything you've done you know like from the bow to like the guidance to get me on the hog and, and just like you know, I wouldn't have got that thing if you wouldn't have been in my ear like, hey, Pete, like, you know, that would have been really difficult. I don't know if I'd have gone for something like that, my yeah. tenth arrow. You know, it was, it was, it was a crash course, but, um, you know, to just, to, uh, to have such a, a beautiful animal, you know, like I have a, you know, hogs are hogs and I know people kind of think they're rodents and stuff, but, you know, I grew up around, <clears throat> around pigs and they're extremely intelligent animals and, um, they're very destructive and I get that, but, um, they're in my eyes, that thing was beautiful. I was like, so grateful to just like have that experience and be like, man, you to take its life, you know? And, and, um, I always give respect to the animal. Um, so yeah, I was just extremely grateful, you know? And then last night, uh, luckily we've got Chad here yeah. from yeah. whiskey bent barbecue. Uh, yesterday we broke that thing down mm. and, you were you couldn't believe when we skinned it down you couldn't believe the thickness of a big boar's hide and that plate like i think everybody here was like holy holy cow i mean yeah like i saw that it'll dull a good knife fully skinning a a really mature boar like that well that and like you look at the size of the pig i saw him before he was skinned and he looks you're like that's a big body cavity but then you pull the hide off him and you're like dude his vitals aren't that big no it's probably I was it was smaller than a whitetail's vitals. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, it'd be just, like kind of like a I don't know a southern whitetail doe. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, so kudos on the shot placement and and one, guarded. Like, I mean, guarded honestly, by yeah, an yeah. Inch of armor. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It'd probably be like shooting through a quarter inch book or something. Yeah. That shield, if you hit that plate, we were so elevated that you actually came in right above the plate under the spine and we're able to both of your lungs were cut right across the top like both one was cut nicked across the top and the other one was like maybe a third of the way through it but they were smoked yeah yeah so it was lucky a perfectly broadside shot on that bore i mean you know you're not shooting a tremendous amount of weight in your draw links you know average it you know it's tough it's tough it's even an average it, guy it's I was, average yeah, i thought i was little so ben, you're, i'll take, ben, I'll you're take below average, average any day yep. you're a below average draw ben i thought i got bumped up to big guy well, uh, well 
now that we're leaving tomorrow, chance. like I, I don't, you know. It's so okay. have you ever have you ever shot anything, man? Uh, outside of waterfowl, no. <laughs> man, so, no. I know no. what we're doing. I've tonight. never shot anything with four legs. You what have about it? two legs. What about two legs and two arms? <laughs> Uh, two legs and two New Orleans, rings. man. Because you're all about saving the rodents more so than... I mean, <laughs> it's honestly... A ca- it's a capture. It's not a kill. Yeah. Do they... I mean, since they are someone you relate to, are they okay with being called rodents, or is that offensive? Rodents are fine. The One of the words we want to avoid is rats. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's... Pretty derogatory. Not politically correct and incredibly derogatory. Uh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Just because a lot of people use that on friends that they really don't like. Right. Double crossers. Yeah. When most rodents, so to speak, with longer tails and red eyes, um, most of them are friendly. Yeah, I mean, it depends on their hunger level and if they're <laughs> infected with any diseases. Yeah. Their, their hunger level and their, their, rabies, and <laughs> their rabies level. Mm-hmm. All right, so one last uh, item of business here is if you go to Starbucks. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> which there's been many variations, but I'm not sure. You say it's a ploy from Starbucks. It is. They train their it's employees. You know when you order coffee and they butcher your name. Yep. That is intentional. I'm yeah. certain it's intentional. It's a PR stunt. It's a PR stunt so that people will post pictures about it on social media and talk about it. Or do Starbucks. a podcast. Or do a knock-on yeah. podcast about it. Yeah. Because Sharon's been called many a thing. Shazam? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, She. we've taken pictures. Actually, Sharon's probably had her name correct two times since I've known her. Other than that, it's really really bad and actually i'm trying to see she had to get a cup of coffee in the airport as well and i sent her your picture oh yeah see um i sent her the picture of your cup and then she said mine was shireen shireen (laughs) shireen (laughs) but anyway um sloan your name according to the barista was slarm s l a r m slarm slarm and when they called my name when my order was ready i didn't even it didn't register in my brain i was ready for sloan <laughs> and john's like i knew hey, that dude. only one person well actually let's backtrack <laughs> let's let's just back this up a minute uh mark was getting the rubber glove treatment uh, (laughs) in tsa we got fed up with like dealing with that so we went over to get a cup of coffee we made eye contact as tsa guy had his hands on my on my goods i came straight up i was just looking i had my back in the morning i'm like i had my backpack looking around like where's mark at and then i look over and there's like a 300 pound dude freaking all up in your job <laughs> so sloan comes over and i'm like i just kind of looked at mark and i'm like see you're busy do you want a cup of coffee and he's like yes so i so i grabbed slarm and i said let's 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 go get a cup of coffee and we go over and he's like 
hey man are you hungry and i go no i'm pretty good and he's like i gotta get something to eat so sloan or slarm <laughs> decided to order from the barista what most people would call egg bites or sous vide egg and bacon bites i would never call it sous vide and so egg and bacon. do you remember how you pronounce that name like it no. said sous vide on the things no, and, and it you was said g-u-y-e-r-e guiri or something like that <laughs> no it's definitely not he goes i want one of the bacon guiris and she just goes <laughs> like she's looking at him like what in the hell are you talking about and he's like those and she just i mean it was you were so bad with your with your yeah. enunciation maybe that's yeah. why it was slarm was payback it, <laughs> it was, was payback she was offended you being a total good it was yeah. slarma i mean <laughs> 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 but honestly thank god that she did that because this trip would have been a lot more she dull. set the pace <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have spent like what a creative answer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Talk about people that just make your life better moment after moment. She that lady knew. did it because ever since that cup of coffee, the amount of slarm references or <laughs> deviations to the term has been non We should post a picture of slarm and then also let people post a variation of such a word with their definition to the meaning it's definitely going to be it has an r-rated tone to it from the the best thing is it, it does have a definition it does on urban dictionary yeah. okay you look up that and well, it's meet, actually not not bad it's not r-rated it's I not slarm was it no, no it was a walrus <laughs> riding a walrus in I, a battle yelling that's right yeah that's okay. Right. Yeah. Battle yeah. cries. Are yeah. rated for violence. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're riding a battle, it's definitely violent. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've come up with many of turn for slarm. Um like slarma. Obviously you don't want you know, if you do something bad to someone, slarma could be coming. According to Urban it. Dictionary, the definition of slarm is to ride a walrus into battle <laughs> while screaming profanity. <laughs> well, so it is R-rated. Violence and profanity. Mm. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I think. That should be a video game. I mean, honestly. It happened someone... when we were boarding, and then I got three text messages from Dudley on the plane. <laughs> now boarding all slarms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, dude. Quit slarming the babies. You're scaring them. <laughs> yeah, that one baby was screaming bloody murder back there, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> quit slarming the babies. <laughs> they can't take it. Well, then we deviated a little further into a slarm-like variation of Sloan, which would be potentially something used to slarm, which would be a Sloaner. Yeah. That's not new, though. I, I've been Sloaner the Boner since seventh grade. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Credit to where credit's due. That was seventh grade football locker room. All right. That was invented. Sorry, O'Cali. <laughs> O'Cali rules. Is that who gave you that name? Who? O'Cali? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think. What was... Uh... O'Doyle. 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 Is that who gave you the Sloaner name? Yeah, this is a guy like that, yeah. So, I mean, after after many of laughs, driving around, covering many miles, not seeing any other hogs, um, 
over the course of the last few days, we've explored on Sloaner, mm-hmm. and there we just recently come to realize there is also a definition of that, which was look it up. We're gonna get feedback on my phone again. Well, that's okay. Okay, it's well it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, we know what a Sloaner is. Oh. I can't say it. I don't think. Oh. Well, yeah, you can. This I is could. X-rated. I could. You might not be allowed to, but I can. You can do it? I think so. I don't know I mean, if you want to. You're the only one that would. Oh, yeah. I might not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, so if you Just look up look Urban up, yeah. Dictionary for Sloaner, it would be um, a cigarette who tries to act hard. There you go. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in front of girls, right? Yeah. What dude, the, use it in context. Yeah, dude, you're such a sloner. You see that girl? She's making me sloner. <laughs> or hashtag douche. Hashtag loser. Hashtag sloan. Oh, <laughs> he left that part out. Sloan. I didn't even see the hashtag use. Uh, what? Now trending. Now trending. <laughs> hashtag sloan. Cut. No. Uh, All right. Well, uh, you know, you know, we didn't really talk about your snowboarding. We didn't. I don't know. I think. I, I mean, it's, you know, an, it's honestly, an archery podcast, but 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 the whole point of it was, you know, I don't want to ruin the film. Like, I don't. When you have a small game specialist <laughs> like with little hands, Ben. In yep, in in the mix, little throat. Like, am I gonna? Too. Am I gonna? Is this a spoiler alert for me to like? What am I? No, I think uh, it. If anything, it will tease the film. Dude, technically, you picked that shit up so fast. I Honestly, when they told me, I was it. like, "Okay, we, we're just gonna get there." When we talked about you going snowboarding, I was like, "We won't slarm the film in any way." No, correct? please. Okay. No, it's fine. Okay. I was like, man. This could go either way, you know, because I'm I'm not like the most patient person. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as patient as a teacher as you are, but I have compassion. Yeah, and uh, you just like the first run, other than your stance was a little off. I remember I looked at your board. You know, we got you that well, arbor. Dude, I built your your bow. I know you sent me a board. <laughs> In a box, and well, I went on Amazon and like bought all my other stuff and put it together. Do you think I've in never my even, living room in my listen, underwear? I've never even been to Iowa. Like I don't, you know. So, lots of hills. We got you the Arbor, Gooch, wide, the biggest board. I looked, you know, I read for Arbor, so I was like, "What's the biggest board? One sixty-seven wide." I was like, "I think it'll fit a size 13. You know, I don't hang out with guys that are big. I don't really like big people. So, jeez. <laughs> This went into a terrible place. So we got you, and you showed up. You know, you sent me a couple photos. You're, like, in your underwear on your carpet. Like, how's this look? And I was like, I don't know, man. looks like, you know, you're in your underwear on the carpet. (laughs) But it looks good. I'm I'm, I'm stoked you're stoked because you got got the North Face, the Vans, the Arbor. You're all all set. So you showed up, and I looked at your stance. Immediately, I knew it was too narrow. But you were kind of like, this is – you know, this is my bow stance. I want to do this. So I was like, well, maybe this is like this, you know, this is the most comfortable yeah. thing. So I'm going to let it, let him run with it for a run. Yep. 
that first run, uh, we got to the bottom. You look like you're going to fall over, you know? My legs you're, you're, fucked, you're a huge dude. My so. legs were freaking smoked. Yeah, your, your legs because were... Because when, you know, it's like doing a wall squat with your feet yeah. narrow versus, yeah. you know, you're engaging your quads the whole ride down. And, totally. and we were up there. We were I mean, up there. We took the tram up. So, we yeah, up. I was smoked. So once we got, you know, we got to the bottom, I could see that was not going to work. I was like, all right, let me. So we widened that thing to your, your <clears throat> what would work for you. And then it, it just came together, man. You listened. And I mean, you were linking turns. You were linking turns on the first run with that really bad stance. And so after that, it was just like, um, it was gravy. And you progressed so much. I mean, you're catching air, man. I saw you grab your board. I did too. You did some ollies. I know. We didn't I was get like, what? That. We didn't get it's that. It's like a couple face plants, a couple tomahawks. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Jay didn't have a picture But then that's mm. why, you know, we had the confidence to get in the bird and do a lap. And yeah. I was like, ah, I think he's got it. He's never a pal, but set his stance back. We'll I asked mix. Andy how he was going to do it because the thing with the helicopter kind of came about very last minute. We didn't plan on this. Well, we were at sushi, like having maybe a couple drinks, and yeah. I was like, what do you think about the birds? Maybe we should get in that tomorrow. I oh, was I, it we, you two that brought that up? We did. Jesse. It was me the and night it was, before it was, when me and Andy, it was, it was Jesse and Andy and I. were together? Oh, Did you okay. guys eat sushi every single night? I eat sushi every... I mean, I live in Wyoming, dude. I don't get sushi, so... Like, That's a good call. Gonna, yeah, when I'm out of town. It, when you've got it, nail it. Sloaner's buying, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Yeah, I would. <laughs> Just slarm that card. <laughs> slarm that card. Slarm but no, I mean, technically, you picked it up and, you know just from your background you get you take direction and this could have been a really boring film it could have been super boring <laughs> but you guys each picked up on each pursuit so well and so quickly because we only had two days of shooting really yeah, yeah. one day yeah. really of each thing and you so guys blew my mind yesterday when you're like well yeah glad you got that because we're, we're flying out and i'm like what you gave us a day for a hunt like for a hunt to get captured yeah, that was, it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty awesome. How, I mean, how will you attack that? Like, will, will you take a certain angle because both of us, like, kind of took it up so well, so quick? I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of I mean, cool in a way be... that we both had success so fast. In another way, it's almost like, will people really believe it, maybe? Well, that's like, I feel like going into it, I thought a big piece of the story would be you guys kind of the learning curve and the learning process but that was pretty minimal so it was like, i mean which is cool <laughs> because we can show more shredding from more. skiing greens snowboarding greens like groomed runs on yeah. snowboard to the backcountry in a helicopter from shooting a string to shooting a 250 pound boar like yeah that's like boom boom Boom, it boom. actually, actually looking at it that day. way i never thought of it that way but yeah <laughs> you went you go from you literally go from a one to a ten, because even our buddy Clay, uh, this family's ranch is Clay's, um, or Clay's family's ranch is where we're hunting. He's like, dude, shooting a boar like that around here is like shooting a two hundred inch white white tail or one hundred eighty inch white tail. It's like shooting a three hundred eighty inch elk. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a like a spectacular boar to shoot. And then obviously for me to go out and then buy like i think we boarded till about 10 in the morning mm -hmm. then we grilled for a while and then at four o'clock 
Next thing you know, we're in a freaking helo going up, getting dropped up on the top of this mountain. I'm just looking around like, oh, my gosh, it looks like, you know, only a few people have ever got to be back here. And just being able to, you know, turn through snow that certain parts of it had never even been touched was. uh, You shredded that. (laughs) Dude, by the end, I just wanted to go. <laughs> it's probably good we stopped because I would end up trying to do something stupid. Well, that was the whole thing is like, just do not hurt this guy <laughs> before her hunt. Like, don't hurt him because it's so easy to get hurt. Like, you fall once, you hit a tree. That last run when you opened it up at the very bottom, <laughs> I, wanted to I was a little concerned, you know? It was like it was open and then it, there was less, like a choke down <laughs> to these trees and he just let it run. And, I, man, I was like, okay so i was following him i was like oh you got it you got it you got it and then you made it through the trees and then you hit those bumps and just tomahawked <laughs> I was like, all right at least you didn't hit the trees we're good to go which i missed by the yeah way. you missed it i i and actually when i stopped rolling i just looked at him like perfect ending like it could not have been a better ending it was yeah it was the stars yeah. aligned on this one man and yeah, he really picked us up right there yeah and then you shart your pants about three minutes after that. He had some slarmadoo in his pants. <laughs> yeah. And a slarmadillo climbing, we, over, climbing around in there. Yeah, there's many of slarm. Uh, here in Oklahoma, We yesterday we found a slarmadillo that was meandering around. Also a small game or not? Yeah, definitely. Slarmadillos are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we got in the helicopter a guy that, you know, looked very much like jason momoa was driving our helicopter and jason momoa's like less successful cousin (laughs) actually that's a good way to put it it is if jason momoa just liked to party and wanted to freaking rat bag someone's helicopter that like that's it they would let him yeah so he kind of decided to like give us a grand finale of i'm gonna throw some g's at you homies he, he looked back at me. At the I camera. looked. I looked over at Ben during <laughs> during the moment of like inversion, like after we climbed, and then all of a sudden the G started to hit. Your well, he eye- like straight pitched over the peak, stalled out, and then just nosedived into the valley. And there were some G's coming. You could well, hear the those. Pi- old yeah, the rows. pilot <laughs> looked looked back at me before he did it and pointed to the camera and then did one of these motions, like, like the like cut, cut it off, it. cut it off. I was like, oh, boy. Have you ever seen uh, Caddyshack? Yeah. Have you seen the moment, like, right before Rodney Dangerfield hits that guy's fishing boat? Yeah. And his eyeballs get about that big? <laughs> That's what you look like. I mean, those were serious Jews. Have you been in a helicopter before? That was my first time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've never seen a full Sicilian with like jet white <laughs> Sicilian. He is. Oh, that's what ethnicity you are. He is yeah. Sicilian. He's you Sicilian. Yeah. What did you think Jeez, he was? Sloan. I just thought he was kind of a brown looking white guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just I I get just about every ethnicity. I'm very ethnically ambiguous. I think you could devil uh definitely double for like lead singing for like System of the Down. <laughs> with that really? with that beard. <laughs> And everything isn't that pretty aggressive stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should tell Chad to put the ketchup on the table. 
because I wanted to. <laughs> All right, dudes. Let's yeah, uh honestly we gotta get Ben something. Like, we kinda do. I would love that. Your my my bow would fit your little arms. No. I think it's time to Oh. Yeah. He hasn't had any bow training and honestly That's not true. He shoots. Oh, I, you I, did shoot that string three times, but it is. I saw him a bow. Uh, yeah, I yeah. have Sloan's old bow. Yeah. He's taking me is it here? swing. No, no, we didn't bring Maybe it. we should shoot this afternoon. Yeah. And then we just have a, like. A, After you get a second hog. I don't know. I, I'm not worried, dude. I mean, I'm, I, I am so happy. Like. I think everyone's pretty dang content. I'm, I'm content. content. You know, what's funny, though, is uh, I just got this picture. I'm going to show you guys. Everyone else listening, you can't see it, but it's an Egyptian uh, art drawing. And it kind of coincides with uh, the last podcast Andy Stump did about a little thing that he's going to do called Tactical Assholes. And it's <laughs> oh, about like... be good. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. So someone already Photoshopped a, uh Egyptian drawing... Oh hell yeah! But the, so that's you if you try to shoot any of our any of our bows like the drawing is wise. behind her head. Yeah, though. behind her head. So she's decaf in three. It's two, around one. her neck. Yeah, Dude, anchor point is behind. I, her I neck. was really surprised. Andy rips on a on a snowboard. Dude, Andy, Andy he's rips. Like, I started Andy last rips year. in life. Yeah, he rips. But he's a uh, life big, ripper. When we when we hiked that one line and he rode the powder down, mm-hmm. you know, he had that line. His smile, you know, he got to the bottom. He's like. Oh yeah, that was good. That I was like, dang man, like, that was my moment. Good skills. Um, and you haven't done this yet. I told you you should, but I've got a, I've got like a twelve or thirteen week thing that I did called the School of Knock. Yeah, and it's just different things to work on, and it's things that I work on in the off season to polish myself back into shooting form. Um, but you know, I t- I told uh, crap. I just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? School Andy. of Knock. I know Andy. That. Andy, Andy ripping. Andy ripping. Shredding line. Oh, I don't know. Huh? I spaced out. I was trying to talk about something that Andy did good, but it's not coming to me. <laughs> 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 no, um, crap. It was actually a good point, but oh well, I guess we're done. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, let's get out and whack something. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast here later on with Chad Ward, Whiskey Bit Barbecue, and Tyler Stark, two good buddies. And we're going to talk some knock-to-fork action because last night we didn't – do you remember? What did Chad pair your boar? Nectarine. He grilled nectarines, and then he – the smoke ring on your on your boar backstrap oh, was yeah. freaking awesome. He thin sliced it, rolled it, and then rolled it over a grilled nectarine. And they were just these, you know, kind of hors d'oeuvres with the toothpick. With what were, kind of toothpick? Danson. Danson mm. toothpick. And they were freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they were He's so good. He's a master good. of his trade. Cool. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.